wonderful day we have to celebrate and to remember we got a heavenly father above amen a God that loves us and cares for us and has birthed us into the family of God what a privilege it is to serve him today to be able to come into his house and give him honor give him praise and glory and honor we appreciate him this morning and I want to just say, God has still given birth to sons and daughters of God. There are still those that are being born again and washed in the blood and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Redemption is not over. The blood still atones. Healing is still efficient to every one of us. Amen. Whatever need that we have, we can receive it. Today, we're going to have a baptismal service for Joshua and Shasta Dunn, amen, where they're bearing their old life and rising anew in Christ, amen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. This is the word of God and the promise of the Lord. Baptism doth now save us, not putting aside or away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. Amen. My, we have just enjoyed the word of, of songs today that has went forth. And these brothers from Dallas, we appreciate your ministry to us today. You have blessed my heart. I think about the labors that have went forth in the nations of Africa and went forth to, to try to reach believers over there. And we went ourselves in five or six different countries seen the works and things that have been done and today still in contact with many of the believers and brothers there and it just goes to show us God's got them something way beyond us for no more but he wanted a bride from every nation kindred tongue and people and today we have gathered here in this presence and we're here today to speak to him children of his have gathered for a wedding. Amen. We see some of these sisters here that have come from up in Arkansas way. Brother Jake, Sister Jenny Brown here. Also, our brother Armstrong back there. Amen. Father's Day. My, you know, all kinds of things gathers here today. But we're here to worship God. And that's why we're here in this building today. We're here to give our best to the Lord. And Surrender our lives to him and just say, God, speak in a mighty way. Amen. Who knows? But the ones that we baptize today may be the last ones. Amen. You say, well, wait a little longer, please, Jesus. I, I'll tell you, I'm, I, I'm starting to pray like John did. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Even so come when we see the world collapsing around us and we realize we hadn't got much little time left. I'm saying, Lord, let us find that last one soon. Amen. We built this building. We made extra room for prodigals to come home. 
Josh Dunn is a prodigal. And he's come home. Amen. Sometimes ago I, I preached a sermon on, and actually I preached it again up in, in, um, up in Washington State, um, the prodigal son when he came to himself. We've seen the Holy Spirit just deal with hearts and lives time after time. And I believe we should have on, on our hearts today, Lord, deal with those hearts, deal with those children, Deal with those wayward ones that are out there. Amen. I think uh, as I looked, you know, and, and I, every one of us noticed it yesterday, and of course, I, it took me back all the way to 1981 when the, I was in Anniston, Alabama. I went there to, after Brother George Lickers had passed away and I was interim pastor there just helping out, getting ministry in, driving 500 miles over there one way to minister and come back, try to do that once a month or so during those, those times and ministering to those saints there. The Lord changed my subject that morning and I preached on from Christ revealed in his own word, a little something Brother Branham said about stabilizers being put on the ship. And there was a young man that was there, came in with his family, young, youngly, newly married, newly wed, hair down to his shoulders, dressed like a hippie, his shirt wouldn't cover his belly. He sat down there in the service there and as I come out I began to preach and I saw the word go and start directing toward this young man and that was Vernon Winters and there he began to cry out and scream out to God for mercy his wife had never seen the Holy Spirit move on anybody and she just grabbed him and started petting him and trying to console him but that day he come to the Lord his life was changed as marijuana went out the window on the way. Brother Vernon has been through some ups and downs and some, some sidetracks and backsliding. But I believe that even today that God has, has dealt with his heart and brought him back to him. And he's been back in service with us, but now cancer has him down. and We just need to remember him in prayer. We saw his son up here, Matthew had a lot of hopes for him that God would pull him out because that's what I told Brother Vernon when he strayed away I said look around at your family look around your children they're gonna go the wrong direction oh no no he said I why well, you don't have to be in the message to to raise good kids I said it won't happen the only way that it'll ever be is for you to raise them into the into righteousness and into truth children one by one and straight away that pull on the world has been upon our we've seen it on Matt Winters and we saw him yesterday well so no William Roncalli the same way those things touch our hearts but I believe on this Father's Day I believe the Holy Spirit can send his angels and tap on their shoulders Wake them up in the middle of the night or wherever they are. Find them and save them and bring deliverance. 
amen, that they can make a full surrenderance to Almighty God. And I'm just asking you today, amen, let us, let us look upon there. As I looked yesterday and I said, oh God, hungry hearts, thirsty souls that are thirsting for God but are trying to satisfy it on other things. May, oh God, there come an awakening in their hearts and return back. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, will you pray with me that you'll reach out to every prodigal, to every soul that is wandering from you. Lord, may we not look upon any of them with, with, with some, some spirit of, of a dislike or whatever or distasteful or something or looking down on them. But Lord, may we see a hungry soul. May we see a seed that is predestinated. Lord, that you'll reach that heart, that you'll reach that soul, that you'll turn those lives around and bring them to you. And I pray, oh God, in this message this morning that you'll deal with hearts and lives of your children everywhere. Brother Vernon, if he's listening in, Lord, if he's able to tune in today, will you touch his heart today? Will you speak to him in a great way and let him know, Lord, oh God, that he can look in the gospel as a positive gospel. Lord, he can identify himself with the saints of God, not as a Cain or a Judas, but a son or daughter of God. In all reality, we've all been betrayers and deniers. But Lord, it's you, rich in mercy, that gave us grace, turned our lives around. And I pray you'll turn the lives around of the many, Lord, that are upon the hearts of your children today, fathers that are reaching out for their sons and daughters. May that you bring salvation. May salvation come to their house today in the name of Jesus. For our brother Darrell Baxter, who's is sick with, um, with a kidney stone in great pain, I pray you'll bring deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus. Send the word forth today to bring healing to him. In Jesus' name, may this be an hour of deliverance and that mountain be moved and crushed into tiny grains of sand and passed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's sing that song, I've Got Peace Like a River, Peace Like a River. Amen. How many's got that peace this morning? Amen. That's exactly what's the hunger in the heart of a brother and sister done that they've been in my office. We've spoke to them a couple of times. They want that peace in their heart. They want that joy in their heart. They want that love. Amen. That only the love of God can bring. Amen. So let's worship the Lord as we sing this today. Well, I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river. I've got peace like a river. I got peace like a river in my soul. I got love like an ocean. I got love like an ocean. I got love like an ocean in my soul. Well, I got love like an ocean. I got love like an ocean. I got love like an ocean in my soul. And I've got joy. I got joy 
First Corinthians chapter 10 and as you're looking there in the scripture this morning and finding that in, the, in your Bible first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 amen we want to also just looking around seeing the different ones seeing the Oklahoma folks up there the green family different ones there and also um, Mandy's daddy God bless you for being with us today and we just are glad to be with the children of God Amen. See the Miles family back again. Amen. James and Joyce, now you can show up again. Are they here? I hadn't seen them. Well, the doors are still open, Brother James. Sister Joyce, amen. The booger man ain't got none of us yet, so you might as well come on back to church. Amen. amen. We love you in the Lord. Amen. Booger man, I'm talking about that COVID-19. <laughs> amen. I'm praying that it stays away. I don't want to go back to streaming. Amen. I love it when you're here. Amen. I'm giving you a warning. You pray it away or I'm going to take a vacation. <laughs> Amen. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. If you can just stop and go back in your mind just for a moment. You can't go, most of you, but try to vision it. This is my text that I took 50 years ago. My first sermon I ever preached came from this, this passage of scripture right here that I read, that I'm reading. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all did eat the same spiritual meat, and all did drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was... Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be idolaters as some of them, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And neither let us commit fornication. As some of them committed and fell in one day, three and 20,000. Um, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were dis destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all of these things happened unto them for examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Amen. Going to let you have your seats. But I'd like you to find also another scripture reading in Exodus chapter 17. And we'll read from the first verse. Amen. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 1. Amen. And all the congregation of the children of Israel gathered or journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys according to the commandment of the Lord and pitched in Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, why chide ye with me? 
Wherefore you, do you tempt the Lord and the people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is it that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? And Moses cried unto the Lord saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take in thine hand and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb and thou shalt smite the rock and there shall come water out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? I want to speak today and use for a text of a people on speaking terms. I believe that we too are in an exodus. It is the third exodus. And of course, as you know, the first exodus was Moses leading the children of Israel back to their land of promise. And the second exodus, of course, was Christ leading the church out of the law into the promised land of grace. And the third exodus is where God has taken those people who have come into grace into a rapture. And, and in this exodus, we have had a prophet to call us out of the world and to come into Christ the Word. Now, Israel has always been a historical example of the church. As you can see, Paul would use it in his day and hour, and he would point out of Israel and their failings and, their, and, and um, their, even their victories. And he would say, now these things happened unto them for examples, for they are written for our admonition. In other words, for us to take warning upon whom the ends of the world has come. And I believe that we are now, have arrived now seven churches later, amen, upon those of whom the ends of the world are come. And then he gives us warning, let him that thinketh he standeth to take heed lest he fall. And, and of course, we can look and see that the word of God is very inspired. Uh, this was written some uh, two to 3,000 years ago, 2,800 years ago, maybe, and, and, and how that God laid it out there for an example and, and made a shadow of something to testify of the positive. It's always important when you read your Bible that you see yourself in it because it was prophesying of our day. And we believe that there is no reason to write any history today because we believe we're the last generation. And so being the last generation, then we believe that we're, we, we will not write history for others to read, but we are fulfilling all of the scripture that have been spoken of this hour. As I believe all the word of God has been pointing to this day and this time and this hour in which we're living. Now, 
first, when we look back at this, we must remember why that the children of Israel were down in Egypt to begin with. After all, God had promised there all the way in the beginning that with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he had promised them the land of Palestine. And he gave them that land and said, this is yours. Walk over it and claim every, every bit of it. And, and of course, you know, then why would not the people not be in the place that God provided? And that's the question today for all of us to realize that God gave us a Pentecost. And he gave us the book of Acts. And by the way, just that you might know, I'm quoting this part from the third Exodus. He said, that's a question of today also. God gave us a Pentecost. He gave us the book of Acts. He gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. He gave us a land, and why are we out of it? And why is the church out of it? Why isn't the great Christian church today living again like the book of Acts and bringing forth the same thing, and there's some reason for it? And, of course, we know the reason that they were out was because they, because of the jealousy of a brother, that the brothers of Joseph were jealous because of Joseph's gift and the favor of a father. You remember, it is jealousy, and you picked up on that in your prayer this morning, Brother Johnny, but it is jealousy that is why that Cain killed Abel. You see, Cain had his own offering, and it was not accepted. And, and so, you know, that, that made a rise of jealousy in him that he killed his brother over worship. Amen. Over church. Over religion. Over God accepting one and not accepting the other. And yet, there was an offer given to him to be accepted. People a lot of times say, oh, Cain never had a chance. Yes, he did. He said, if you just come the way that Abel came, you see what I bless. You see I require the blood. You see I require a dying lamb. You see the sin that come in the garden. If you just come that way, amen, I will accept you. But because of jealousy, he rises up and he, he strikes his brother down. Right. Now, jealousy then is at the root of every denomination and every sect and denominational move that's in the message that at the root of it is jealousy. Amen. Amen. Now, in fact, the matter is, in many cases, that's exactly the problem with many of the split churches and split homes and the split everywhere division that is there is because of jealousy. And jealousy is pride and, and you mentioned pride and suspicion and distrust and doubt and apprehension about rivals progressiveness, or possessiveness rather, and overprotectiveness. Even Brother Branham told us in the church age book, he said the reason that they make their manuals and camp down and put a period to the word of God is because they see they had a move and then they said we must write it in our manuals and then we, we must establish this so that the fire will not go out. And he said it causes the fire to go out. 
because they don't allow God to keep moving on in their lives. I want you to know wherever you are today, you better not put a period to it. You better be looking for God to move in a greater way in your life. Amen, because we're in a very serious time. It is this jealousy that causes the sex and the, the sect, S-E-C-T-S, sex, that is, that is, that, that is cults. Amen, the sex, the divisions among churches and personality cults to arise causing division in the body of Christ. Now, you know, I, as I, I, I was not even going to go this way. In fact, the matter is, I had a whole sermon that has, had been, um, that I had and ready to, to go and, and was just, had, uh, just putting the finishing pieces together and the Lord just directed my thoughts and I had to turn and go this direction this morning. And as I was coming awake, as I was coming awake, I, 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 I saw a group of people and, and I heard these words, the house of Chloe. And so I, not, not even at that moment, the fog in my brain, not even remembering where that was in the Bible, I went quickly and looked it up. And I'd just like to go with me, you to go with me to 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. As I looked around at, at these, these people, and they, they looked like godly sisters and men. And, and, and I heard the words, the house of Chloe. And I just want to read you as I have read about these personality cults that cause division. In 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. I wonder if we could ever come back to this in the message. That we would all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. And that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. I wonder what it would be even if evening like tabernacle would come to this place. That we all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you and perfectly joined together. Amen. No funny feelings among us. Amen. But for he said it had been declared unto me of my brethren of them which are the house of Chloe that there are contentions among you. And he said, now I say, this I say that every one of you saith, I'm a Paul and I of Apollos and I of Cephas, that's Peter, and I of Christ. And he said, is Christ divided? Or was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? You see, there again, that goes to show us that there's no salvation in any denomination, even any personality cult. Come on. Amen. There's no salvation in any any of these sects or movement because they were not crucified for us. Amen. The one who was crucified for us was Christ. Amen. It's he that we owe our allegiance to. It's he we must come in love with. Amen. I don't even, I'm not even interested in you becoming in love with a prophet. Or love with this ministry. Or love with me as a pastor. I want you to get in love with Jesus. That he becomes the first thing in your life. 
main thing and that you forget every other thing and the things of the world go strangely dim as you look upon him. Seeing God work with Joseph caused his brethren to hate him. And just remember, we have had a whole generation today that was indicted. And it did not just indict the, the, the denominational, it denied, indicted even many of the independents. Remember, we got a church world under indictment for crucifying. That means taking the effect of the word away from the people. He said, because you can't crucify Christ the second time, and neither can you go and nail this to a cross. But he said, the way we crucify Christ in this day is we kill the effect of the word, that the word don't have the same effect to heal, to deliver, to save, to set free, to produce joy and peace and the power of God in the church. And Brother Bannon would tell us today he has another Calvary. Now, and he says the only place, let me just settle down for a minute. The only place that he meets with man today is under the shed blood. I'm sharing this from the indictment. The shed blood of the sacrifice. I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, if you can forget your differences. And, and Roman Catholic, whatever you might be, and will come under the shed blood, God will meet both of us there. That's where we can all meet and fellowship on the same grounds, but otherwise, he will not meet just because you're a Methodist. He will not meet just because you're a Pentecostal. He'll meet you under one condition, and that's under the shed blood. When your sins have been confessed and expelled in his presence, then by the blood, and the blood is always before him, and therefore he can only see you through this shed blood. And you're white as snow. See, when you, you confess your sins, otherwise you're not there. You can't fellowship. And that's the reason you don't see things happening in the churches. They confess to believe in the blood. But they reject the very plan to get to the blood, the word. See, there's only one way God will honor that word. You'll never honor that word and come say, I'm Roman Catholic. I demand this to be done. Or you can't do it. Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostals, you can't do it. The only way you can do it is come under the, the mercies of God through his grace is come through the shed blood of of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I claim the promise. And then if you're really under that blood, God is obligated to that word. But first, you must be under that blood. Amen. You see it now, no matter, no wonder they can't believe in miracles. No wonder they can't believe in the supernatural. No wonder they condemn it. The same reason they condemned it back there is the same reason they condemn it today. And they're as guilty as guilty can be because only under the shed blood. And those who would dare, some little brother who dares under humility to take God and his word and walk out there and confess his sins and forget all these dogmas and things and stand there under the blood and believe it, they want to class him a fanatic. 
They want to class him as it would say. It's not a good word to use in the pulpit, but so you understand. He's an oddball. So then he says, they have crucified the effects of the word. Amen. He said, how do they crucify the word? When Jesus Christ said, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8, they say, in such a way he is. And Jesus said his last commandment to the church, go ye into all the world, Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and these signs shall follow them that believe, all the world to every creature, and they ain't half reached yet. And there's millions die every year that's never even heard the name of Jesus. Still, it's the general order. It's still the commandment of God. All the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. If they take up serpents or drink deadly things, it shall not harm them. If they lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And they say that was for that generation. And they make the commandment of God of none effect to this. And they crucify the effect of the word to the people. Peter said on the day of Pentecost with the keys of the kingdom that Jesus had just given him whatever you say, I'll say it there. And on the day of Pentecost, he said they asked what they might do to receive the Holy, the Holy Spirit and they were so enjoying it, watching others, um, uh, uh, watching others acting what they would call silly and stagger and jump and fall and acting like they were drunk. And they were saying, these men are full of new wines. But there was a man who stood up by the name of Peter who had the keys of the kingdom and said, these are not drunken. Acts 2, as you suppose, seeing that this is the third hour of their day, but this is that which was spoken of. See, right back to the word again. Showing that the spirit is still word and the word is still spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. The word of God. And it shall come to pass as spoken by Joel 2.38 and it shall come to pass in the last days saith God I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh listen that prophet standing there look at him fearless standing there upon that bunch condemning them indicting him and saying this is the scripture this is that which was spoken by the prophet I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and daughters shall prophesy Oh, my handmaid and my, ser- my maidservant, I'll pour out my spirit. Yeah. Amen. Aren't you glad it's not just for brothers, yeah. but it's for sisters too? Come on. Yeah. I show signs in the heavens above and on the earth and pillars of smoke and vapor proven by the word. And it was the word. And they laughed and made fun of it and they went to judgment and the city burned and they ate one another's children and today there are scattered people throughout all the world showing the Holy Spirit still remains the word of God to bring this word to make it live. Think about it. The judgment by looking upon the actions of the Holy Spirit and making fun of it or denying it it sent them a whole nation to judgment. And so will it be to this generation. Amen. Oh, now the second crucifixion, he says, 
If a man accepts Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a creed instead of the word titles, instead of the name, what does he do to the people? He crucifies the effect of the word to the people when he says that Mark 16 was just for that generation. And God said himself there, Jesus talking to him, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be down. And these signs shall follow them. How far every nation, every creed, every tongue, every race, every people, the same gospel. And when a man tries to cut that out of the Bible, he crucifies the effects of the gospel to that congregation. Listen to him say, so he says, so I indict you in the name of Jesus Christ. You are guilty of murdering the Lord. You see what happens when we deny divine healing, when we deny prayer lines, when we deny altar calls, when we deny the moving of the spirit. You come under indictment and a judgment and a church becomes cursed. You might call yourself bride. You might quote quotes. You might read Bibles. You might pray prayers. But I'll tell you, you're no different than the Laodiceans. Amen. You see, Brother Branham told us in the third exodus, he said they thought These brothers, they thought they would never have a use for a man like Joseph. So why not just get rid of him? They thought, you know, they actually thought of murdering him. But, you know, money means a lot. And they saw a chance to make a dollar. And you see, the same thing has happened today because... Our churches have become intellectual. That we got the best dress crowds, the biggest organization, the smartest ministers. And we have no use for the Holy Spirit in the way it was back there. He said then they are full. In other words, action speaks louder than words. So he's saying even if you're not saying that with your lips, Your actions are showing it. Amen. That their seminaries and the brain of their being and they're coming together and they're discussing the thing are more able with their own intellectual minds to set a church in order better than what the Holy Spirit could do it. And so they don't need it anymore or any longer. It's something we don't need today. It's the days of his past. Now, isn't that just right? We don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. We got doctors. We don't need the Holy Spirit to speak with tongues. We're all intelligent people. And when you do, you take right from your framework the lifeline. Amen. Jesus said to them Jews in his day, have you read that the stone that was rejected is the chief cornerstone that the building set upon? Now, why is that kind of preaching foreign to us today? Why is it? Why isn't I? I don't want to just bring this down for a moment, and you bear with me. And, 
and sometimes you, you say, Brother Tim, well, why, why would you do these things? And why do you preach the way you're doing? And how come you've been laying some things out like this? Well, I'll tell you why. I want this church to become a church that God can send a lost soul to. And that we offer them more than an intellectual conception. But we introduce them to the power of God that it changed a life. To a real baptism of the Holy Ghost. You say, Brother Tim, why are you preaching about healing? Because I want God to be able to send somebody who is sick, one of his sick children. Amen. And can come to a place where they believe God and they believe his word and they expect the miraculous. Instead of planning their funeral. Or just committing them to God and say, poor little thing here, I'm so sorry you're so sick. There ought to be a power in the church. A people who knows their God, who knows, who knows exactly how to cast out devils in his name. And ever sickness is a devil. Instead of just saying, patting them on the back and saying, well, you know, we know it's God's will for you to be sick. And God gets glory out of your sickness. And, you know, you're developing character. And we do. We develop character when... In any trial we go through. And God's going to get glory out of our lives no matter what. We get that. But friends, that should not be an excuse for not having healing and deliverance in our midst. Amen. I, I, amen. I, I know people are looking and say, well, God's getting a lot of glory out of that man dying, you know, and not, 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 to, not denying the Lord. And he, he, he died and God got a lot of glory out of it. Well, God can get a lot of glory out of him being healed. Being a testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. And if God does happen, now, this is Father's Day. Now, I've been preaching for over 50 years now. So I am a father. I look over this congregation, I'm a father to many of you. I am a father. We don't call a a minister father, but you know, Paul, Paul said to Timothy, you're my son and you have but one father. And he's speaking of himself in relationship to that son. Are you with me? Amen. And as a father, sometimes, as a father, sometimes you have to speak out some things. As you see, as you see the, the, the world coming into the church and things begin to change and we begin to modernize and get pulled this way and that way and we lose our vision and our focus. Sometimes it takes a father to be able to call it out. Amen. And so if God does happen to heal the sick, we don't want you testifying of it. Why, people who testify of it are just wanting glory for themselves. And after all, don't you know the false vine and tares have anointing too? Well, what's that got to do with anything? Amen. God never sent the true anointing for the tear. He sent the anointing for the wheat. And if you can admit the tear has anointing, then you ought to really be able to admit 
that the pride of the weak has the anointing, that she is the anointed one for this day. But don't give witness of anything that God's doing. We sure wouldn't want someone knowing that God's among us. Psalms 105, verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord and call upon his name and make known his deeds among the people. Let me read that again. Psalms 105, 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name and make known his deeds among the people. We got a responsibility, yes. amen, to make known his deeds among the people. Yes. You know, F.F. F. Bosworth, which was, you know, um, a, a, a great mentor and help in Brother Branham's time in his early ministry, went with him to South Africa and so on, had a healing campaign before even Brother Branham was on the scene back in the 30s. And then Brother Branham came in the late 40s. And, and he said, but anyway, Bosworth said, some oppose and write articles against us for publishing the testimonies of those who are miraculously healed. What is the matter? Is there anything wrong in obeying the Lord's command to make known his deeds among the people? Since Jesus died to open the way for his mercies to reach all the needs of man, we surely ought to be willing for them to know it. One would think to read some of the books and articles that are being written that it's a crime to let people know about the Lord's compassion, about his willingness to heal. And let me, let me just go back, as I can go back, back to the 60s and after Brother Bradham leave and the climate and the message, you know, that, and even till now that we are not to testify of God's healing power. It was thought he would take away from the prophet and his, and his position. But I think it's a huge discredit to the man of God, to the prophet of God, and to Brother Branham for us to present his message as one that no longer works. Amen. Because valid testimonies are no longer permitted or wanted. The church world, even in Brother Bosworth's day, that predated Brother Branham, they did not want God's deeds to be published among the people. And there's a spirit in this last day, the same thing. They don't want to hear about it. Now, I'm fully aware that there was some elements of the Pentecostal movement and, and some elements of the divine healing movement that abused and misused this. Oh, yeah, you know, they've turned into a bunch of braggarts and how big a tent and how many people and how many people prayed for and how many people healed and I did this and I did that. But I'm just going to say this. I am not going to let a complex that is caused by their behavior to push me on the other side where I fail to testify of the works of God. I'm going to declare his deeds among the people. Brother Branham said in third Exodus, he said, they thought they would never need it. We don't need speakers with tongues. 
We don't need interpreters of tongues. We no longer need the Old Testament prophets to set us in order by the Holy Spirit. We understand it. Brother Joe come today in his seersucker suit. Got a cute little hat to go with it. Go get it. Amen. Bro, I brought it there, and he's not going to disrespect the sanctuary, but I'm going I'm to just have him put it on for a minute. My, my, my. What a joy to serve my Savior today. Amen. We no longer need Old Testament prophets to set us in order by the Holy Spirit. We understand it. Stand up, Brother Joe. Put your hat on and walk forward. I looked at him today and I said, hey, that reminds me of Brother Branham. He said, yeah, my little girl Rebecca said, yeah, might look like Brother Branham, but you sure ain't no prophet. (laughs) You can have your seat. He is a prophet. Every New Testament preacher is a prophet. Amen. The one that the word comes through and they get under the anointing and they say things they never even thought about. But today we don't need anointed men in the pulpit. We don't need them that shout and scream and rejoice in the truth and get under an anointing and speak the word and it just flows through them like sparks from an anvil. We don't want that anymore. We want dignified preachers. They've adopted a man-made system to take the place of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, There is a people that's elected that has their names on the book of life. How many can identify there? They can't go for that. They're spiritual minded, therefore they can't go for that. Hallelujah. That ought to be us this morning. Say, I can't go for that. Amen. I can't tolerate that. I want to see the Holy Ghost move in our lives and speak in our hearts and reveal himself to his people. I want the dynamics and not just the mechanics alone. Hallelujah. We're to be a called out church, a separated church. Yeah, we're to be thought of as peculiar and oddballs and different. We've been called every kind of name all the way from the beginning down to the end. We were tagged with the name Christians to start with. That was not a name. That was a nice name. They were trying. It was a slur. That's right. Today it's, oh my, everybody's a Christian, even... Why? Even scallywag presidents are born again. Hello. That's their claim. But anyway, we, you know, Israel was the people of God until they were called out, then they were the church of God. 
And you're not the church of God. You're not the bride of Christ until you're called out of the world. And you've got to understand, you cannot remain in the world and be the church. You might be identifying yourself as the church, but you're not the church until you are separated from the world. Church means called out. And so God was calling them out, out of Egypt to be the church. And God is calling a bride of people out of the world to be the church. Oh, we don't want to be the church today. We're the bride. Well, the bride is the church. The church is the bride. And he's going to have a church without spot or wrinkle. And I'm on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. I guess we are a church. We're the called out. Israel was called out by God. Separated to God, a peculiar people. Now listen. Listen, you know, new converts. You'll never go anywhere in in Christ until you separate yourself from your associates in the world. Cut it off. Anything that would have any influence of sin, cut it off. That's right. Amen. You're going to follow Jesus. Amen. You 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 cannot stay with your worldly associates. Your worldly friends, your worldly girlfriends, your worldly boyfriends, or whoever they are. You cannot be unequally yoked together. And in the the church of God, we cannot yoke ourselves together with unbelievers. And I'm even going to warn you there as as family, you can, and, and, and church family here today. But don't make your friends people of the world. It identifies the bird of the feather that you belong to. Amen. You walk with God, and to walk with God, you cannot walk with another unless you agree. Is that right? Amen. So choose your friends from, from those that believe. Separate yourself from the gospel, or the gossip, I mean, of unbelief. Sometimes that even requires you to do the same things with members of a a group, church. Sometimes you have to walk along. Amen. Amen. You know, I mean, many years ago, I decided I was going to preach this message. That's what I was going to preach. I was going to preach what's been revealed in this age. And I I have refused to let family, mother, daddy, brothers, anybody, nobody who, no matter who it was, to pull me off of that course. Amen. I might have to stand alone. I might be abandoned. I might be left behind with by them, but I'm not going their way. Now, of course, we're we're not called to worship the gods of the world. That's fornication. The Bible said that with Israel, when they left Egypt, a mixed multitude went with them. Right? Amen. And so, you know, and this, this mixed multitude started eating the same manna. They liked the seals too in the church ages. And they began to call themselves bride too. And we're predestinated. And 
we're not going to miss it and still living like the world. Still unchanged. Amen. People who are sinners even will enjoy seeing somebody healed or somebody delivered, God moving among the people or sermon preached on anointing. But, but again, a mixed multitude. Now, you know, he, he said, he said that, brethren, I want you to be aware. I would not that you should be ignorant. Amen. Our fathers were under the cloud. That's right. Right. Listen to this. They were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. They were baptized in the Moses and the cloud and the sea and they all ate the same spiritual meat and they drank from that same spiritual drink for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, which is Christ. Of course, they did it in the natural. But with many of these, God was not well pleased. And so, again, he told them, said, don't be idolaters. As some of them were, the people sat down to eat and drink, and they rose up to play. Isn't this amazing? People who started out with sincerity. People who started out with a zeal. I'm determined to hold out to the end. Somewhere along the line, they lost their vision and their purpose. And I, and I just want to say, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to be conformed to the image of Christ. To be a bride without spot or wrinkle. To be a people that is called for his namesake. You know, we started out with zeal. We're going to leave Egypt, the world behind us. We're not going to be slaves no more. Amen. There's, there was all the excitement. It's, it's rapture time. It's rapture hour. It's going on time. We're going where there is no sin, no sickness and sorrow, no pain, no death. And we're, we're under a pillar of fire, a vindicated prophet. The book is open and the seals have been revealed. Seven previously unknown thunders have uttered their voices. And we tried to tell our Egyptians friends, but they were happy with being slaves. We started out on the journey. We got baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. We shouted and danced and threw off the yoke of denominations and their traditions. The birds sang different. Amen. Everybody was sweet. We sanctified ourselves from the world. We quit our drinking and our smoking. We stopped going to the pool room. Amen. Amen. We quit the gaming. We threw out the rock and roll. Got rid of the country and western music, the rap. And all the other worldly music. Women let their hair grow out. And men cut theirs. They refused to look like the world. But we didn't know of the delay. We thought because the word had come, we were rapture ready and we didn't know that we would be tried by the very word that we had received. And the longer of the delay of reaching the land, the more people wish for what they had in Egypt. Soon we started going back to movies again. The television was back in the home. 
Movies became a regular part of our diet instead of listening to tapes. Novels and love story books were being read that pervert the mind. Tight skirts with slits appeared. Dresses above the knees. Boys started dressing like perverts. Amen. Instead of a Holy Ghost experience, some took a denominational approach. Like other moves before us. I'm going to warn you. Brother Branham said, the cycle of revival and death has never failed. And I'm going to tell you again, it will not fail even in this move. That there will be many who started out in this cycle of revival who will go back down into death. Because it has never failed. And it won't fail in this last day. There will be those who started out who go back down into death again. But I'm going to tell you that the word of God also says that there's somebody going to be alive and remain to the coming of the Lord. And they will not hinder those that are asleep. And I'm going to tell you, church, we're not just going to be living and breathing, but there's going to be a people alive and on fire for God who will not be a Laodicea. That people's got their mind made up. The heart is on Christ. Are you with me, church? Some people that are sold out to God and they will break the cycle. Did you hear what I said? They will break the cycle. They will break the cycle of sin and unbelief and death and the creeds and the dogmas of man. And there's a people that will walk with Christ in this age. But the Methodists, I brought it out last week, sought a social respectability. They replaced the primitive emotionalism of camp meeting conversions with a more genteel intellectual process that led incrementally to conversion. You know, brother, it's okay. Just add to yourself a little faith, a little virtue, a little patience. You know, you grow up a little more, you're going to be all right. You got the Holy Ghost. Uh, You know, you overcome that pornography. Just keep... No, you're not going to overcome it. I said you won't overcome it. You're going to have to die to it. And you're going to have to be born again. And that's the problem today. Amen. We turn churches, we have turned churches into help centers. Are you with me? Treatment centers for sin. Amen. You know, you can't get over sin. You're going to sin a little bit every day, and you'll never live in victory. You'll never really, really overcome this stuff. You know, it was so it's a treatment center. You know, you get a little better and you fall back and you come on back to church and we'll help you to get going again. Whatever. Listen, this gospel, this blood is not a is not something for treatment for sin. It is a sin cure. Hallelujah. It'll cure your smoking, your drinking, your pornography, your sin, your doubt, and your unbelief. It'll cure it once and for all. It'll take the desire out of it, out of your life, and you'll be a new creature in Christ. But it isn't long we take a denominational attitude about church. 
You know, we once couldn't wait to get to church. We were eager to hear more about God, learn about what he's doing. But after a while, it becomes old hat to us. In case you don't know what that means, it means something tediously familiar or outdated. I wonder today if sermons like flashing red light are the sign of his coming, God of this evil age, Satan's Eden, why I'm against denominations. Many of those sermons, the invasion of the United States, many of those sermons that Brother Branham preached would not sound a little bit outdated. That's the way it becomes. The expectation ceases from looking at expecting Jesus to appear among us. And I'm going to tell you, this is the way that every service must be. We must come with expectation that we're going to see Jesus. Amen. He's going to be in the songs. He's going to be in the prayers. He's going to be in the preaching. He's going to be in the conversion. He's going to be in the healing of the sick. Jesus is going to be present in every service. Hallelujah. And Brother Bradham would say, if I could get this audience with one accord to see and know exactly that Jesus Christ is alive and here among you. Oh, he said you physically or mentally believe it, but when it can go beyond the mind till you know it, then something will happen when you can realize the only thing is is to see Christ in our presence. But like Israel, it becomes a ritualistic affair. Well, I guess they need to get a lamb and they lose the sincerity of their worship. The Bible said, they were commanded, you must not present anything with a defect because it will not be accepted on your behalf. He said, you're not to present any animal to the Lord that is blind, injured, or maimed, or anything with a running sore or festering rash or scab, you must not put any of those in the offering. All the altar is an offering made by fire to the Lord. Good, brother. Bring it brother Branham's, uh, or Malachi is one and six, and, 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 but it, it just talks about a son honors his father and a servant his master. But if, I'm, but if a, I am a father, where is my honor? And if, if I'm a master, where is your fear of me? saith the Lord of hosts, you priests that despise my name, but you ask, how have we despised your name? By presenting defiled food on my altar. You ask, how have we defiled you? By saying that the table of the Lord is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is it not wrong? When you present the lame and the sick ones, is it not wrong? Why, do you offer, why not offer them to your governor? Would he be pleased with you or show you favor? Ask the Lord of hosts. And this is the way Israel came. You know, it it didn't have the meaning anymore. And God didn't deserve their best anymore. And I want you to know if he's here among us, then we want him pleased with our worship, with our offerings upon the altar. Amen. We want him to feel welcome among us. We want him to be so pleased he just comes down and bathes over the congregation and the Holy Ghost moves back and forth over the building in the people. 
But see, even Israel got this place. They got to the place where their soul loathed that light bread. Angels food. Bread from heaven. See, these are testing times. And I want to say, we are in testing times. Understand, it's an hour of delay where men say the Lord has delayed his coming. And the attitude of the people began to change. How many still connected? All right. How many just daydreaming? Nobody's daydreaming. How many sleeping? How many's keyed in? Tuned in. Said, Lord, speak to me today. She got to quarreling, fussing with one another on the journey, loathing the light over, over the bread. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They lost their enthusiasm. Oh, you know, that's something we're not to have in church anymore is enthusiasm. Amen. You know, but as, as, as Brother Branham said, is he raised from the dead? Has he raised? If he hasn't, then just forget it. If he has, let's get our enthusiasm started. Let's get filled with the Spirit and go to praying and start a meeting and do something. That, that's a 63 quote anyway. Amen. He, he, he talked about the high priest. You got in trouble for this one time, Brother David James, telling about this. Where you, where you shared with some, I think some Pentecostals about those that went and dressed, the high priest going behind the holiest of holies. And he dressed, you know, they had a bell and a pomegranate where it made a noise as he, as he walked into the holiest of holies. And, and those who were waiting on him to come out, they could, they could tell whether or not he was still alive because he was making some noise. Amen. And Brother Brennan said, and where there ain't no noise, then he might be dead. Well, I think that's a whole lot of matter with our churches today. There's not enough noise about it, not enough enthusiasm, not enough something. So where Jesus is, there's always noise. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you see, again, if you ain't hearing no noise in your church, you got a dead church. There ought to be some noise of the praises of God and the worship to the king because you recognize the king is in our midst. And I'm not here to offer a lame or blind sacrifice. I am here to offer my best and give my all because he's worthy of everything that I owe. Hallelujah. Strange thing, everywhere Jesus is, there's a lot of noise. He said, I don't know why it is, but it's a sign there's life there. Amen. He said, he said, a lot of these churches been, need to be buried. They've been dead a long time ago. You don't hear no noise at all. It's like a morgue instead of a lively place, a place on fire for God. And that's a 64 quote. You know, something he says has to move when he's around. And he's referring to them that when they begin to cry out and begin to say, you know, Hosanna to the son of David. And some of them got jealous. 
Some of them got jealous and said, stop this noise. Stop them, them children from, from shouting and saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Stop all of this. And Jesus said, why, if they hold their peace, the rocks will cry out. Amen. God's going to have somebody that will worship him. God's going to have somebody that will give him praise, that will honor his name. Listen to what he says in spiritual amnesia. Notice today's crop. Notice what we do. We actually got enough God about us so we come on the platform. We say, well, yeah, maybe I better come up. Now that's experience of worldwide. Yeah, maybe I better, go, I better go up and stand. Well, I don't know. Here I am. See, what a place to be in. There is no fire burning. There is no enthusiasm. There's not a go into it. And as an evangelist, that kills me to see God's people in that shape. We're supposed to be on fire. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But he said, you know what it is? Revelation 3, lukewarm Laodicea. Amen. Again, Brother Branham said of this, he said, so he said, the bride is a part of the groom, you know, so we find out it's the same thing. She'll do exactly what's predicted for her to do this day. She won't be a Laodicea. By no means a lukewarm, but she'll be on fire for God. She'll be moving on in the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. He tells us in the Easter seal, he said, and I think we mustn't lose our enthusiasm. He tells us in the, in the message is shamed, and he says the revival among the churches has died. Everybody knows that. You feel it in this tabernacle. You feel it everywhere. It's a thump, a dead feeling that something isn't right. It's because the revival enthusiasm has gone away from the people. Going to churches, you see them sitting there, a pastor stumbling around for a message or something or another. First thing you know, he's turned off to some kind of party they're going to have or something. It seems to be a dead thump everywhere. And Brother Branham would say, an invisible union. I'm not looking for revival in our generation. I'm looking for the coming of the Lord in our generation. So you say, Brother Jim, then what should we expect? Well, we shouldn't expect a worldwide revival. Amen. We shouldn't expect another denominational move. Amen. No, we should not expect that. We're not looking for that. We're looking for the coming of the Lord. Amen. But, but did he say, but listen, Brother Branham said in the Easter seal, listen to this now. He said, men and women, it'll make you stand to your feet. It'll make you do things that God wants you to do. I don't care what somebody else says about you. The neighbors say, oh, that person's lost their mind. Pray all night to read the Bible. I don't care what they say. It's what God called you to do. That's right. Oh, they say we can't have these old-fashioned Pentecostal revivals. Oh, yes, we can too. You can have it in yourself. And you are the majority in God no matter what the rest of them think. Hallelujah. The world ain't going to have one, but you can have one. 
Hallelujah. God's going to have a bride who's in love with him, who's enthused about him, who wants to get him at that future home of a heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride, who wants to see the world come to an end and a people go into a rapture. Of people who are looking for the coming of the Lord and their focus is, is centered on that. Hallelujah. God, he said, send us a revival. All of these are from 63 on. Send us a revival before we perish. That's right. We need an old-fashioned, God-sent, soul-stirring revival. Yes, find Christ back among us. Find Christ in the old-fashioned altars and meetings that we used to have years ago. Oh, my. Think about that. He said the reason why we don't have it is because we went off and left Christ. That's right. That's what he was preaching. Grumbling, carnality, cut off the water supply. Think of this. People left the muddy waters of Egypt to drink from a spiritual rock. And they were complaining. People leaving the flesh pots and the garlic in Egypt to eat angels' food. And they were still complaining. Amen. They were leaving the boasting physicians of Egypt saying the days of miracles are past and no such things as miracles anymore. And to go out among people with signs following, with the sign of the king in the camp and great wonders and signs and a pillar of fire hanging over them and the blessings of falling and spirits of manna out of heaven. And they were still grumbling. And the prophet's words is, it was an insult to their maker. You see, it's got to be a love affair. Come on. A love affair. Man, I'm going to have to bring this down here in a few minutes. There's still some points I want to get to. But you see, what had happened was, is they come into dry places. They came into the desert of Horeb. Horeb means a dry place, a desert. And when we get out of fellowship with one another in the church and out of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it brings us to a dry place, a desert, where everything's got stickers, right? Amen. You know, in the desert, a little piece of cactus with that sticker on it, it's amazing what Brother Branham could look at that cactus and see. He would say, I see that sticker being a little tender leaf that because of the desert conditions, it all shriveled up and tightened up until it become a sticker. Amen. Are you with me now? A precious tender leaf that had no water wound itself up so tight until it's a sticker a precious soul if it had been watered right amen if it had been watered right amen would have been a tender little leaf or something but instead it's wound itself up until it's a sticker amen it just needs water it's been punching at everything and sticking everything and criticizing everything. And it's a precious little leaf that all it needs is water. 
All it needs is water. All it needs is the rock to open up for people that knows how to speak to that rock and bring out water. Daniel Williams was dying. He was out in a wheelchair. This boy came to see him in a pair of shorts. At the end of church service, showed up in a pair of shorts. I said something to the boy. I said, son, you know what your daddy's preached and how he's tried to stand for truth. I said, it's offensive for you to come on the and dressed like this in front of the church and church people and right in the face of your daddy who's tried to hold to the truth and you're in a pair of shorts and Daniel looked he said oh Tim he looked at me he looked at me he said oh Tim he's just a thirsty soul I thought about that a thirsty soul. A thirsty soul that somehow never got his roots in the water. And he's out here trying to satisfy it with the world, with sin, with drunkenness, with women. With, and here he comes and, and it shows us all. It's just all over his body. It's because he's thirsty. And because of that, you know, he's sticky against the things of God. But you know, there's church members that get sticky. Are you with me? They just become stickers, you know. They just, you know, it's just in there. They're in a dry place. And they need a revival. Hallelujah. That's why we need water in every service that we have. It's because there are those that are still cactuses among us and they need a drink of fresh Pentecostal water that'll make their leaves come out and become fellowship again. Instead of criticizing and finding fault. Moses went to that rock that rock he was to get water out of this dry place God told Moses take that rock and gather the people gather the elders and I'll stand on the rock before you this rock was Christ it's what it represented Christ come on help me amen Moses took that rod that had brought judgment upon Egypt come on Amen. It had smoked the waters and it had turned to blood. It had smoked the frogs. It had sent called for frogs and brought their death and the flies and brought their, their death and, and brought darkness over the land and brought death on the firstborn. Are you with me? Goes down to the, to the Red Sea and it's lifted out there and it makes a way across and then lifted over again and left it let down and, and waters come of judgment. It was a judgment rod. Is somebody with me? And Israel now was in sin, and they were grumbling and complaining and in a dry place. 
Amen. To the point that Moses didn't know what to do with these people anymore. And God said, he's pointing out the people, the people, the people. And God said, take the rod that brought judgment on the Egyptians, that brought judgment against sin. But instead of striking the people who deserve to die, what I want you to do is strike the rock. Don't you know what happened, church? That rock was Christ. And you and I was guilty as guilty could be. We were sinners as sinners could be. But oh, when we deserve to die and the judgment rod to strike us, he struck Christ on our behalf. And he was wounded for our transgression. And he was bruised for our iniquity. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. So that by his stripes, we are delivered. 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 Hallelujah. And water came out of that rock to water every person, every beast. Water enough for everybody. That anybody, whosoever will, let him come to the water and drink. And there was a cleft in the rock so that life-giving water would pour out of Jesus. Hallelujah. And there on the day of Pentecost, is somebody with me? Amen. There at Calvary, he was smitten. And on the day of Pentecost, out come pouring life-giving water. Hallelujah. And it made them so drunk on the Spirit of God. They began to speak in other languages. They began to shout and dance around and act like fanatics. Amen. Why? Because a thirsty soul had found water that had poured forth from the rock. I'm going to tell you there's still enough water. Even today, he is not living it in the water. It's not a little trickle. It's not a little stream. There's enough for you and for your children and for them that are far off and even as many as the Lord I caught shall call.
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's worship him just a minute. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Israel, ask the question. Is the Lord among us or not? Let me just say, that rock followed them. Even though they went into dry places, he said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. No matter if we're right down here at the last age, I want you to know this God says, I'm the rock that follows you. I'm the rock that goes with you. I'm with you in your valley. I'm with you in your sickness. I'm with you in your trouble. It's Jesus. Did you hear me say it? It's Jesus. He's that rock. And we don't have to smite him. He was smitten once. We don't have to start a new movement. We don't have to strike him again. Amen. We don't have to start a new denomination or a new cult movement or a new cult personality cult. Amen. And strike him again. Amen. All we have to do is speak to him. Speak to that rock. You're so close to him this morning, you can speak to him. Yeah. And water will come out of that rock for you. Yeah. For your children. Yeah. For the healing of the sick. Yeah. For the deliverance of the church. Yeah. To get rid of that old sticky spirit out of your life. To bring a movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. You ought to be saying, God, I need that revival. I need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Pour it out on me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Let the musicians come. Let's try to bring this to a close this morning. Don't stop worshiping him now. This is a time to pour out your praise. This is a time to say, God, amen, give me water from that rock. I'm going to speak to that rock. I've got a need today. Amen. You never have left us. Amen. Is the Lord with us or not? Well, don't tempt the Lord saying that. Say, Lord, I know you're here. You said you'd never leave us or forsake us. You'd be with us to the end of the world. And you're right here with me right now, Lord. I'm quitting my, my quarreling, my fussing. Amen. I'm quitting my stickiness. I'm getting my roots down in that water. And I want a revival in my life. I want a revival of the Holy Ghost. Revive me again. Amen. Not, a, not, not just a small trick, trickle, but a gush of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give him praise just a moment. Raise your hands to him. Amen. Raise your hands. Just give him thanks. Brother Brandon said there's enough power in you. He said it isn't power you need. It's already there. The rock is here. There's abundance of water in the rock. There's enough to heal all the sickness, to cast out every devil, to save every loss. There's enough water. We've not been short on power. It lays in the bride. 
He lays in the word and the word's in the bride. But where we're short is our faith to operate that power. Why don't you just say, Lord, today, fine tune me. Fine tune me, Lord. Bring me in that presence. I need another Pentecost. I need another movement of the Holy Spirit. I need another revival. I need that my eyes to come open. I can recognize that Jesus is here. You think you've been alone? But there was Jesus. Think you've been in trials? Think you've been sick? There's Jesus. He's just waiting on you to call him. He's waiting on you. Call him. Take this out of me, my pride, my jealousy, my overprotectiveness. My, 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 my thing against rivals, all this other stuff that comes along with this. Take it all out, Lord, purge me. Let the water of life, let me just bathe into the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come and move. Been a, man, a lot of men made the mistakes and they make their mistakes by smiting the rock again. Starting a new thing. Got a new ism. I saw one the other day. Gets this paper out and six you know, Jesus, third hour, six, 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 and first thing you know, he got the crucifixion and the sixth seal. So much nonsense. What is it? Why can't we just stay with the original? Why can't we just stay with what the prophet said? Why do we have to have some new thing and smite the rock again? Let us speak to the rock. He's in speaking distance to you today. Amen. He'll bring that real change that you need in your life. This is a little quote I want to read you before I go. He said, oh, I hope he was getting that. Moses was supposed to speak to the original smitten rock not try to smite it again, not try to start a new thing, but to speak to the old thing. And he said, God, if I die a pauper in the pulpit, I'll speak of that original rock. I'll speak of that original experience. I'll speak of the original scriptures that gave them the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The ever presence of the flowing waters from the rock is still with us. It'll bring forth the same things. It'll bring forth visions. It'll bring forth healings. It'll bring forth prophecies. It'll bring forth everything that they did. Hallelujah. Let me speak of that original rock. Let me speak of Jesus being present among us. That nobody cares like him. How about you today with your heads bowed just for a moment so that I can pray for you before I go. I've used my energy up preaching. Fifty years ago on February the 1st as a 15-year-old boy I took and preached from this scripture. I'm right here now, June the 21st, as the seasons change into summer. 
and I'm preaching to that same original rock and that same original experience. And I'm preaching that you can have a revival. That you don't just have to sit down to eat and rise up to play. That you sat down to really take of this word. But then you just went into fornication and sin and things come back. I'm just asking you, today in your own heart, how many would just reach out toward God and say, God, I need a revival. God, I need a revival in my heart. I've become a little bit too sticky, Lord. I I need a real surrenderance in my life. Amen. Some of you, some of you know you've never surrendered your life. That's the whole thing. You've never done it. You've stood around the fringes, but you've never drank. You've never drank from the water. It's never changed you. But today can be the day you change. Today can be the day you're different. What about you, church member? Been around a long time. Wouldn't you just say, Lord, I just need a reviving. I need to be able to see where I see Jesus. I need the stickiness out of me. And I just need a refilling of the Holy Ghost in my life, in my heart. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. He sees you. Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me now. Father, you see every heart and every life, every soul that's reaching out to you. You hear the humble heart cry, Lord. And you hear them. You hear the desperate soul. Some of them are desperately in need of a healing touch. Some of them online and listening in are desperate. They need a reviving in their hearts. Lord, how we could read one after another about how we as individuals can have that revival. The world may have turned it down, but we can have it. I pray, Lord, you start a revival, a new and a fresh, and we pour out more of the wood of the Word of God. May there be a revival at Evening Night Tabernacle and a restoring of hearts and lives. And around the world we pray among your bride in Jesus' name. Heal your people, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
you want to be drawn to him today no man can come to me except the father draws him first it's God drawing no man seeketh after God no not one is it God seeking after man the Lord's been dealing with the hearts of of Joshua Shasta we want today to obey the Lord baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ I want them to come forward maybe if somebody can hold the little one there and and come forward I want the brothers here to come down and just lay hands upon them today you know we know you know it, it, it we must come with sincerity and dedicating our lives to God and saying take this whole world and just give me Jesus How many will pray with us today? These are souls here that God has touched their lives. During this COVID-19, they've been streaming the services. And God's been dealing with their hearts. They've been listening. They talked to me about water baptism the other day. and I said, you know, we just want to come with real sincerity. Josh has been baptized before in the name of Jesus Christ grew up as a young boy hearing about the message but never surrendered his life to God. He knows what it is to go down a dry center and come up a wet one. But he won't, don't want that to be his testimony today. 
He wants a real change in his life. And they're committed to change. They've surrendered their lives. They're asking God, God, come in my heart. We're to be a believing church, a people that believes that God can save to the uttermost. You know where you were when he found you? Oh, we wasn't. Some of us, we were wretched as wretched could be. And we were all lost, no matter. We might have been raised in a Christian environment, but we needed Jesus. We needed salvation. Today, salvation has come to your home. Today, we're nailing down the stake. We're not going back. We're going to serve God with all our heart, with all our soul, knowing that he's going to never leave you. You'll go through trials, you'll go through, but he'll never leave you. He'll be right there in speaking distance. Do you believe he was smitten for you? Have you accepted his atonement? Let's pray. Father, in the precious name of Jesus, I lay my hands upon this couple, Lord. Oh, Jesus, you called them, Lord. Here they were, Lord, lost and without you, floundering out in the world of sin, but you in mercy have reached out and touched their lives. Lord, they tuned into a service and they realized their need of you. I'm praying in the name of Jesus, every sin will be washed by the blood. All the unbelief in the past, today they'll rise up in the newness of life. In Jesus' name, for the glory of God, will you do it, Father, in their lives today? Not to the enemy that has possessed them and held them and bound them. I curse you in the name of the Lord. Every vile spirit, every evil thing, every, every fragment of the past, every hold that the devil has had on their lives, I curse it in the name of Jesus Christ. And I release the Holy Spirit to come into them. That as I baptize them with water, that you baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go right back to the deacons there. They'll direct you to the baptism.
real. God changed our lives and made us new in Christ. If you look here behind me today, we have a crucifix. That's not an idol that we worship. That is simply a representation of Jesus' death upon the cross. It was given to me many, many years ago in the 70s as a young pastor by a pastor friend, Brother George Lickers in, in Alabama. And he um, gave me this crucifix here and but it's symbolic as we have it over this baptistry it's symbolic that we are to be dead and crucified with Christ and being that we're dead and crucified with Christ we are to rise in the newness of life after being buried so of course we wouldn't just sprinkle a little water upon someone or a little dirt upon someone and say they are buried but they must be immersed in water baptism and this is scripture all through the Bible and there is never anywhere any place in the Bible where anybody was ever baptized in any other way than the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and we come today in obedience to that to fulfill God's word and to know that he sent us into all the world to preach the gospel 
And those that believed that we that we would we are to baptize them. And he gave us an order to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And we know that name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, in obedience to that divine command, we're coming today to bury Sister Shasta. She has testified that she has given her life to Christ. The old man is dead. And we are going to bury it that she might rise in the newness of life to serve the Lord Jesus as a new creation. Amen. Sister Shasta, we're just going to pray a moment. Father, for the glory of God, we are asking your blessings upon our sister as we obey your word, Lord. Now, Father, I'm only the baptizer of water. It, it, but there was one that's coming after me. He will baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. And I pray, Lord, as I baptize her with water, may the dove of the Holy Ghost come upon her life and fill her being with your spirit as promised and prophesied that you would do in, in the promise that it would be into all the world to every creature. Now, Sister Shasta, the Lord Jesus sent me and ordained me to preach the gospel, to take into all the world, and I, in obedience to that, his di- divine command where he sent us to the world to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize you, my precious sister, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, let the power of the Holy Ghost just come and flood this soul today with that ever-present water from the rock and fill our sister with your presence, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, that she can be changed from this day on to serve the resurrected Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you rejoice with me, church? Will you rejoice with me? Amen. Heaven rejoices as a sinner comes to Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Come up here and help her down. Help her up, brother. God bless you. You just keep on worshiping the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We thank God for his blessings to us today, his promises that are with us even unto the end of the world. Amen. God bless you. Just go right on down. You come on down, brother, now. Take her on to the to the dressing room. Amen. Come on, my brother. Brother Josh. Man, you've been here before, but the Lord here has called you and ordained you for this hour and this time. You've seen how the Lord brought you out of sin. How my God, such a God rich in mercy, to reach out to get you and bring you in and save your soul. Amen. This man is a fireman. Man, I'm a fireman too. I'm saving some from a lake of fire. And here today, I'm, I'm taking an obedience to the water, to, to bury him in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, you see Josh, Lord, raised a young man knowing about you, but really never coming to surrender his life. And oh God, being a real Christian, but he wants to be a real Christian. He wants to be a real son of God. The old man to be dead and him alive in Christ. 
We look away, Lord, today and see and know you were crucified for us. Lord, and we are crucified with you, the old man dead, in our lives to be hidden, Christ, and to be sealed with the Holy Ghost. As I baptize him with water, Lord, you fill him with the Holy Ghost now, in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you, Lord, bringing Josh done. And you sent me into the world and ordained me to preach the gospel and to baptize those that believed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In obedience to that divine command, I baptize Joshua Dunn in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen for the promises to you, to your children, and to them that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We thank you, Father, for your word of promise. We thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 God bless you. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How many can say praise the Lord?